Okay, so this is the introduction to episode 10, see what I did there, of um, BFJN's Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. And Maeve and Ivy and I are here to chat a little bit before we share the interview with um, Amanda Grant-Rose of Winter Walk. So we thought today we could talk about BFJN because we've just finished a meeting where we've been talking about BFJN. So we thought it might be nice to just share some of the goings on of what we've got going on. And in over the summer and in the fall, we're kind of deep in the planning stages. So this summer, the big thing that we have going on is we have three MICA weekend experiences, which is our service learning program that looks at generosity and serving and, and trying to figure out how do we live compassionately and, and modeling that alongside groups. Um, primarily, we do that with churches, but we've also done it with different groups, college groups and other things. So I'm so excited because we have two youth MICA experiences this summer, which no offense to adults because adults are awesome in their own ways, but the youth MICAs have their own flavor and experience. Youth, a lot of them don't have that like cynical edge where they're like, hey, these problems are huge and we can't do anything about them. They're like, let's dive in and get our hands dirty. So I really enjoy that. And I'm looking forward to those experiences. And hopefully in the fall, we're looking to put together um, a MICA day where we can invite people to come in too. But MICA program, I don't have favorites necessarily, but the MICA program is very near and dear to my heart. So I'm really looking forward to those experiences. So that's something we're doing this summer and hopefully in the fall as well. I too am very excited about the MICAs, especially since over the past year and some change that I've been with BFJN, I've been able to take parts in bits and pieces of the MICA. And so when we first heard about, you know, this upcoming partnership with High Rock Church in July, I had, you know, scheduled that whole weekend in my calendar months in advance. So I made sure that I was there. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you there because in the past, I've been doing them a lot on my own. And so it's, again, always just great to have another perspective, but also to have someone who can help carry the boxes of food and supplies that we have. So looking forward to that, Ivy, on both levels. And what else do we have going on, ladies? So as you may have noticed, we have for the past couple of months had a focus on housing justice. And while that's very important and we hope that you still are learning alongside us and looking at our content that we've posted so far, we're hoping to transition into a focus on climate change starting in the midsummer. Um, we think that it's very important for us as Christians to explore this issue because it really is we have a deep call to respond to the climate, to climate change and be responding in climate justice. Um rooted in stewardship and living in this creation that God has created for us to live in and to care for it. And so we're going to be transitioning into focusing on that and understanding what the Christian call is in climate change. We're hoping to have a book club in probably the early fall, a book called Following Jesus in a Warming World, which will help explore further this Christian call to climate change. And we think that it's really a pertinent issue to look at, even just thinking in the past couple of days with all these Canadian wildfires. Right now, I'm currently in just outside of New York City, so my air quality has been horrible the past couple of days. So we're seeing these firsthand effects, and it's important that we look to see some practical changes we can make in our own lives, looking on a, a bigger bird's eye view to see in the future what we can do. So that's going to be our focus, hopefully, in the summer. Yeah, and I'm so looking forward to doing a book club with that book. Um, again, this is a book Maeve found for us. Um, she's very good at that. And I found the book so inspiring and challenging. 
I probably will read it again before even the fall, because like you said, this wildfire stuff also had me thinking about like, wow, this is the intersectionality of all of us. And we have to recognize that like what we do affects the world around us. And as Christians, we should be caring about that really deeply. So I'm looking forward to being able to focus on that and and bring resources and um, different people to the podcast and different ways that we can help people engage with that. One thing that made me realize that I wanted to share, I've been posting it on our social media, but the King Center has been doing a three, um, a three-part series on um climate change with a focus on environmental racism. And um last week they had a panel that was just really powerful and interesting and had a lot of um important and practical things to say, and also just helping people get that perspective of like what's going on. So the last one of that is Tuesday night, and you can just go to the kingcenter.org to watch that. It's just on YouTube live. So yeah, that's a, that's a resource recommendation in anticipation of our focus on climate change. Obviously, you know, the world doesn't wait and there's a lot going on with the climate change issue right now. Absolutely. As Maeve had mentioned in terms of stewardship and being stewards over the climate, we also at BFJN have been working on a um, financial stewardship or literacy series, um, still kind of wrestling with the name of that series, um, but it will be shared pretty soon um, in the next upcoming weeks, hopefully. And we're just really excited as this is a project that we've been working on for quite some time now and explores, you know, what our role is as Christians to be good stewards over our finances, what it means to give um, generously, how it how we should be living and mindful of, you know, certain investments and how we are spending our money. And, you know, one of the things that I particularly appreciated just to give uh, a small glimpse into it was what they call the latte effect. I don't exactly remember off the top of my head, you know, who that's accredited to, but Thinking about, you know, if we are to buy coffee out every single day or five, you know, days out of the week, how much money um, we would be spending on coffee. And I personally, at one point in time in my life, I was um, purchasing Starbucks every single day and how much I was spending on coffee was absolutely ridiculous. And so I have transitioned to making coffee at home and I save a significant amount of money by doing that. Um, so looking at the larger ways, but also the smaller ways in which we can um, be more financially responsible. Yes, I am so excited. Again, don't have favorites, but now I'm going to say this is my favorite because this has been like a long labor of love. You guys know, like this was a workshop that Krista, the um, my old partner, um, executive director, did and I did for the Episcopal Divinity School and we did it in person and then we got asked to create a video series and that was like five years ago and it's been fits and starts sort of figuring out what would this look like how could we make this accessible what kind of content would be most helpful and I really feel like we we found the answers to those questions and I'm so thankful for you guys bringing your perspectives and voices into the project I think that just gives it a richness and a depth that I'm really excited for people to experience and yeah, it's in terms of, yes, the name is not quite settled because it does have elements of financial literacy. Like we're striving to provide practical um, ways in which you can, you know, get out of debt and create a budget and these, these fundamental things that we should all, we all need to know and, and need some help with, but then also underlying it all, like, what does it look like to have a budget to use our resources in a way that honors Jesus? And that's really the focus of every segment, even when we're like creating a budget. Yes, we're going to talk about how to do that practically, but we also want to think about the why of our spending. So I'm I'm really proud of this resource and really looking forward to sh- rolling it out, which hopefully, as Ivy said, will be in the next couple of weeks as we figure out the technology pieces of the best ways to share it. 
And that's the financial literacy. I'm like, what else do we have to say? We're we're getting there, people. We're going to finish that soon and share it. And so that's a little sampling of what's going on with BFJN. And um, one final thing to share in case um, this is of interest in particular to anyone is we're actually hiring. I should acknowledge that Maeve is leaving us, not because she hates us. She's just abandoning us because she's continuing her education. So she's going into her senior year. And so she will be leaving us in mid-August, which we'll be wretched about. But we are excited that we have the opportunity to bring someone on part-time, in particular to focus on the best ways to um, grow our programs and build our capacity in terms of sharing the resources we have, in particular, our MICA experience. So we're really looking forward to bringing someone new on board, even as we grieve Maeve's abandonment. (laughs) That's that's our little snapshot of what's going on. And now we're going to share with you um, the conversation I had with Amanda Grant-Rose. As I said, she's um, the co or associate director of Winter Walk. It'll be in the interview. I forget her exact title. She's been there for, I think, about a year and a half to two years. Before that, she worked at Common Cathedral, which has been a consistent partner of Boston Faith and Justice in a lot of different ways and is a great organization still and continues to do great work. But Winter Walk Um, is also an organization that we've tried to promote and partner with because they're working to end homelessness. That's their, that's their stated goal. And it's just a really wonderful organization that brings a lot of people um, alongside to do that mission. And Amanda and I had to talk about, you know, how she sees her work also debunking stereotypes around homelessness and um, the homeless, the community of unhoused people, particularly in Boston. So enjoy that conversation and we will see you again in two weeks. Okay, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be having this conversation with you. I'm excited to share with our community um, just you and also um, your work. So let's get into this conversation. So I'll let you introduce yourself like more in depth. I'll just say Amanda has been a friend of mine almost exactly since I started at BFJN about nine and a half years ago. Nine, I don't know, nine, 10 years ago, um, because we were both starting jobs, um, sim- similarly positioned jobs at the same time. So we've known each other for a while. And I love following her work. I love um, I love your passion, the way you engage with stuff. I learned so much from you. So I'm really excited um, to have you talk to our community about what you do and just you and your stuff. So uh, why don't we start with you introducing yourself? Well, that was the nicest opening ever. Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm Amanda Grant-Rose. I'm the deputy director now at the Winter Walk. And you and I, uh, you had alluded to, we both started jobs. I was the executive director of Common Cathedral when you were starting your current job. And we went through our growing pains together. So we were we were definitely learning together how to build community and church and um, how to care for people on the streets, which is really my passion, which is being on being with people who are in the midst of experiencing homelessness or have experienced homelessness and letting that story really resonate with people and bridging the gap between people with houses and people without houses. That's awesome. Thank you. Yes. I loved working with you at Comic Theater. I love seeing what they're still doing. And then um, as you transitioned over to Winter Walk, um, BFJN had a team this year that did Winter Walk and we were blown away by the experience. I've done it several years, even when we were doing it from home and also there, but this year's experience was definitely um, unique. I think just from my perspective, from first of all, awesome job on organization. Just want to throw that out there. Walked in, walked out, got my registration stuff. That was so great. I can't imagine how hard that was, Um, but also so many people, so many different groups. It was like sort of like a who's who of like people I've seen over like whether it's churches I've worked with or different organizations like oh there's that person there's that person so just really blown away by the the connection that's provided um at winter walk so do you want to tell us a little bit about over the overall mission of winter walk and then if you want to talk about this year's walk or um anything like that 
Yeah. The winter walk has definitely grown to what you said. And so this year was in February. It's every February. It's in February for a reason. The walk happens during the coldest month of the year. We are shoulder to shoulder. People who might have woken up in a house had the privilege of having the heat on and and in a warm house and shoulder to shoulder with people who are in the midst of experiencing homelessness and maybe woke up at one of the shelters, but all coming together to raise awareness, to raise our voices, to raise funds, all to work towards ending homelessness. And it is an opportunity to, to be together and to network and to say very loudly to Boston, you know, hello, we are here. We see that this is an issue still today in a city that has so many resources. Um, we want to support the amazing work that's being done. So there's this year we had 13 phenomenal organizations who we partnered with show up alongside the general public, alongside schools, alongside churches, alongside civic organizations all together to really raise up this issue and make sure we're doing it together, right? It's very easy to be siloed in such a big city. It's very easy to just hang out with your church friends or hang out with your nonprofit friends or or to find, you know, little groups, which is great, but it's important to all come together to make sure that we are standing in unit in solidarity, unified to say that ending homelessness is within our reach um, and we can do it if we're working together. That's fabulous. I, I really appreciate the way Winter Walk articulates that goal of ending homelessness um, because it's like, we can do this. Like you just said, like, this is, this is an attainable thing. This isn't like some pipe dream. Um, I don't, I find it both challenging and encouraging. And so like, and inspiring. And I don't know, I just really appreciate that the goal is the end. It's not like there are obviously like a thousand steps between here and there. And I don't think your, your organization is certainly not pretending there's not, but to recognize like, this is where we're going. Like, this is what we want because, because home is a sacred thing. Like this is something that should exist for everyone. Um, and you talked about some of the organizations that you partner with. You said there were 13 this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and what kinds of work do they do? Like what's the spectrum of, um, services offered and, and is there a longer term partnership? Um, do you keep the same sponsor, the um, same organizations every year or how does that work? So every year we grow. So when we started seven years ago, this will coming up 2024 will be our eighth year. We had four partner programs, um, and so now we have 13. So every year we want to be bringing in more people, bringing in more organizations that are doing really great work, and they run the spectrum intentionally, right? We've got some organizations that are that are doing work um, around individuals who are experiencing homelessness, um, and we've got organizations looking specifically at subsections, uh, whether that's women or families or youth experiencing homelessness. Um, and so... You know, whether it's for families, um, bridge or sorry, for families, if it's family aid or Brookview for youth and young adults, could be Y to Y or Bridge Over Troubled Water or Break Time, um, you know, family, family aid, uh, Brookview, right? So there, there are all of these organizations that we want to make sure Pine Street, St. Francis House, um, Women's Lunch Place, all of these organizations are coming together uh, who are working together but have this opportunity to stand up and say in a unified way, we're here. Mm-hmm. We're here to, to, to do this work together. And, and these partner organizations are the recipients of all the funds that are raised. So 100% of all of the Walker dollars that are raised. So anybody that registers and uh, donates um, through registration or does their own individual fundraising, 100% of that money goes back to the partner organizations. And so if you have a passion 
So if you just know that your heart is called to families experiencing homelessness, you can dedicate and designate your funds mm-hmm. towards those organizations. Um, or you can say, you know, I really have such a heart because St. Francis House and they are important to me and I volunteered there and I really want my funding to go there. So you can you can do it that way. Or you can say, you know what? It all matters. I can't make a decision. <laughs> I want to be there for everyone. You can put your money into a pool and then that pool at the end of the walk uh, gets divvied up equally amongst all of the organizations. Mm. That's a really great system. Um, I, and so many of the organizations, it, it, when I looked at the the sheet, I'm like, oh, okay, I know like half of these, but then half of them were new, which I thought was great. Cause it's like, now I can learn about other people doing this great work because I think as we, you know, uh, uh, BFJN has focused on housing justice this for the first half of this year. So we've been trying to talk about it, talk to people who are doing the work reading a book. Um, we're just finishing up our book club next week. And so as, as I continue to learn about it, it's like, it's such an overwhelming reality. It can be just really difficult to then understand that there are these organizations doing this innovative, creative, effective work, I think is so important to stay engaged in, in it because it just can become like, yeah, this is too much. Um, but there are people doing the things. And I think that's one of the things Winter Walk did for me was just like, oh, okay, first of all, all of these people coming together, all these people care. And then also there's all these organizations who are going to benefit um, financially from this who are just on the ground doing the work. So I, I think that's just such a great piece of it. Um, and one thing that you do really well from your time at Common Cathedral through now is um, educate me about homelessness. And I recognize that that's not your primary goal is to educate me, but I've just learned so much from you. So I would love it if you would just share, like uh, oftentimes what you've helped me do is like, okay, this is, these are like debunking stereotypes or like just shifting perspective and lens. Um, So what are some of the main ways in which you encourage people to shift kind of their perspective or to challenge their own preconceived notions? Yeah. So the winter walk, so many people in Boston know about the winter walk. 4,000 people showed up this year, right? So good. And people think of us as, is that one moment in time, right? Okay. So you know, they know about the day, they know about the walk. Maybe they know we've done a walk in Western mass or New York or other places, right? So they know the walk. Um, What we're working on now is making sure people tap into our services year round, because we want people to do what you just said, which is to start debunking what they think they know about homelessness. And that that happens, of course, one day a year when we're when we're gathered together and you're going to hear stories and you're going to have that opportunity to do some reflection and and deep thinking. And what is it that I know? What is it that I don't know? But year round, we're working with schools, with churches, with, you know, civic center, you know, whoever, whoever will listen to us uh, (laughs) should do that work of breaking down the negative stigmas uh, so that we can get to the point of ending homelessness, right? Because when when Pine Street or when St. Francis House or Brookview or any of these places say, okay, we just got the capital, we got a HUD grant, we got a something to build this apartment complex. Too often it's this nimbyism, not in my backyard mentality throughout every community. And, and it can be for anything, right? I mean, any any othering in our life happens um, and we want to do the best we can do to be debunking so that so the communities are really ready with mm-hmm. the facts, not the assumptions about what housing looks like. What does long-term supportive housing look like for people who are experiencing homelessness? And in fact, you know, the, the police are not going to be coming for drug busts. More often than not, police are going to be coming because somebody had a heart attack or there's like a medical emergency, right? This is 
there is is importance to be to de, to debunk to debunking and making sure that the correct information is out there because that's how we care for our neighbors. We care for our neighbors more deeply when we actually know the truth as opposed to living in in biased or uh, negative stereotypes. So one of the ways we do this is that we go into schools, but we also just or churches or wherever again, whoever will take us. Um, and we want to have these conversations because what we what we have learned over the years of doing this is is creating an opportunity to ask questions. And that's so critical because people have them. And it can be simple from I'm walking down the street, do I give this person five dollars or not? to really in-depth questions like, you know, I don't understand what's happening down at Mass and Cass, and I don't really understand why people are living in tents. And there's it seems to be larger systemic questions, right? And we want to be able to create communities where people are asking these questions um, and doing it in 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 a kind of smooth way. And what we start with is, what do you currently know about homelessness, or what is it that you think you know about homelessness? We'd like to compare and contrast that to the facts and the figures, right? Maybe you didn't know that the average age of people experiencing homelessness is eleven, right? Maybe that wasn't. Maybe maybe you still think of homelessness as an older person living on the streets with their bags. Um, and so really kind of broadening people's understanding through the facts and the figures. And then we love to bring in people who have lived experience, right? I've been very blessed in my life where I have always had sustain, like sustainable housing, right? I've, I've never had to question where I will sleep at night, but I have plenty of friends that have and have had that experience. And so it shouldn't just be coming from me. It should be coming from people who have lived experience. And so whether that's through our podcast, our videos, or in person, always the best if we can do it in person, mm-hmm. um, we have Muriel or Delphia or John or somebody comes, and maybe even more than one, to share their experience, which really even broadens even more, right? So now, now it's not just facts and figures, but it's a story or stories that really help open up your mind to think about the complexity of the issue or build empathy or um, really give you that opportunity to ask the questions in a deep and meaningful way. And then we end with, well, wh- where, you, where do you leave now? Like when you're leaving here and we've had this conversation, what are your lingering questions? What are we going to still help you try to figure out? And what does this mean for how you're going to care for your neighbor? And that can be little, like you're going to just carry Dunkin' Donuts gift cards with you because that's what's meaningful. And, and you can you can do that little thing or it's larger like looking at the zoning laws in your community and and where is affordable housing coming from? Um, Yeah, that was a big answer for that. But that's the process. That's what we want to have happen. And that, again, like the stated goal of ending homelessness is super ambitious, but also really encouraging because I love the way you're talking about breaking down those stereotypes, kind of bringing in people with lived experience, which is so important to have people tell their own stories. And again, I... For me personally, that is a big way that I have been able to uh, continue to work, break down my own stereotypes um, and clean off my lenses for the ways in which I perceive people who just have very different life experiences. So it's like for those of us who, like you said, I have, I've never had to worry about where I was going to be living, right? And so it's not like a fault of mine that I don't understand homelessness at its basic level until I refuse to listen, right? Until I refuse to, until I'm like, oh, well, but I don't need to seek out knowledge. Like recognizing that that's a, just a hole in my own experience. And so I can't fill that in myself. I need to seek out 
um, others to be educated. And so like, I think sometimes there's that guilt level of like, oh, this is, you know, and that can paralyze us. So I really appreciate the way you're approaching it with like, this is something we can all come together and understand. And so um, I guess transitioning to another question I have, if you just talked about your, that program, how can people engage with you and with Winter Walk um, in the different things that you're doing? Obviously the walk, but throughout the year. Yeah. Have us come to you first and foremost. I mean, that's the easiest thing. It's always easy to invite us in because then you 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 already have the structure, you have the place, whether that's an, an adult Sunday school class or a, you know, a coffee hour after church or your your kids' school or your kids' Girl Scout, Boy Scouts, what whatever it is, we we have this curriculum. It's mobile, it's ready to come to you. It's a great starting point. It's a great conversation. Uh, a great conversation to do multi-generational, right? There just aren't enough opportunities for multi-generational experiences. You get that, you help create them. And so you know the power of that. And so this is one of those opportunities to have us come in, let us let us present this curriculum, this this hour to hour and a half opportunity for conversation and for for learning together. And then we can help, you know, figure out what's next, right? That's the exciting part, right? That's the Oh, okay. So I heard this and, you know, Amanda, this is what's really exciting to me. We want to do this next project and we are, we're able to then help connect. We we have these 13 amazing partner programs that are all needing stuff, needing people, needing energy, needing something. Um, And so then we can be that liaison to make sure that there's really meaningful next steps for each, each group of people that we work with. So that's, that's really like our our goal, right? Is is that we want year round. We want you to come to the winter walk, and but think of that as the bookend, right? The beginning and the end of the year, and then year round, really engage with our thirteen partner programs. Hopefully, you know, fourteen or fifteen next year, right? We want to keep adding in these great partner programs, um, and, and then year round, thinking to yourself, okay, I want to learn something new about this issue. So we're gonna, you know, we'll have Amanda or somebody come in to talk to us. I really want to make sure that in this year. My family and I, or whoever, are doing one or two service projects. So, what could that look like? Um, and then, and then, how do I bring that to my individual community? And then, then connecting to your local food cupboard or your local homeless shelter or your your local whatever the needs are. And then, thinking of this as a larger a, a larger you know understanding of your community, right? So, you just went through this process, and it happened to be about homelessness, but this same process works with immigration and refugees. It works with incarcerated individuals, right? So what do you currently think you know about it? What are the true facts and figures about the issue? And who can I talk to in my community that has an experience of that thing Mm. that I wouldn't have? And so, so really keep doing, keep doing that work with all different sorts of, uh, populations in your life. Um, that's right. That's what builds community. Yeah, that was great. That's such a complete answer too. I appreciate like, because again, when we approach it, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming, but you've just given us like a lot of little bites to take. And so as we can continue to learn and approach it, it's like, okay, there's stuff I could do with my church and with my family, stuff I can do as an individual. There's sort of like the advocacy piece. There's a service piece. Obviously there's an education piece. There's a walking piece. Um, So I, yeah, I really appreciate that. We have a lot of information on our website and, and www.winnerwalk.org. 
but that's a great opportunity. So we have a, a family podcast. So maybe you've got young kids and it's seven minutes. So you can do seven minutes as a family or listen to it right before dinner and then sit down and have a conversation with your kids. It's really meant for little guys, you know. I have elementary school kids. It's made with for elementary school families, right? So that's a great first step. It's seven minutes, a great conversation, a great way to get around the dinner table to talk about things. We've got larger podcasts. So if there's maybe uh, medical and homelessness is a specific niche that you're really interested in learning more. You know, so there's there's that. There's lots of videos. So if you are working with groups or youth groups or you're you know you can you can tap into all of this stuff. You don't even need to bring us to you. Um, we want people to be listening to stories where, you know, we, we know the power of a story uh, and, and we want to keep doing that. And we, we want you to do it in a way that broadens your understanding, right? You had said it earlier um, that that it can feel very overwhelming. And by no means do we think that we're we're not trying to change people's understanding of the world, right? Like that can be daunting and scary to have somebody say to you, you're thinking about that is all wrong. That's not at this at all. What you know is based in something in your world, right? Like you, you know something about homelessness and it's, it might be because you walked in Boston and you saw somebody experiencing homelessness or you've read some news articles. There's definitely some aspects of truth in what you know. And, and, and what we want to do is just broaden that to mm. say, that's just one aspect. Now think of this, think about this other aspect, right? We want to deepen or broaden people's understanding of, of homelessness, but also that, again, that works with everything, right? We want to just keep learning and better understanding who our neighbors are. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful to think about it that way as well. Like that we, we have whatever knowledge we have and then how can we broaden that? How can we deepen that? So that's great. So the resources on your website, that sounds like an amazing place for people to start. And the podcast that you have, I know we've talked about that before. There's the family one, which seven minutes sounds awesome. I mean, like that's probably as long as my teenagers would listen to. Um, and then the other like kind of specialty ones you have. So that can all be found on your website too, the podcasts. Yep. All ready for people to use. Yay. It sounds very, very well done. Um, you, we want to make it easy for people to approach things. Um, but then you were talking about... Um, you know, taking these steps and broadening and deepening, and you've given us a bunch of things to do. If, if someone listening right now is like, what's, what's a good first step? Like, is it, is it your website? Is it, what would you, what would you encourage someone who's really just starting on this journey to be like, here's, here's where you can begin. Website start there. You can, the, we do have the facts and the figures. So all the information. So if you're just beginning to think about homelessness, Maybe maybe you're somebody that is really blessed and lucky that you're in a community where homelessness isn't a day-to-day -day interaction for you. Um, so start there because the facts and the figures are up. They're, they're there. We'll be getting our next, the, the results of the homeless census very soon. Um, so it'll be even updated again very shortly. We'll have all the information about where we are in Boston with the homeless census. Um, and so all of the facts and figures are there and then the stories are there, which are really critical. And then if that moves you, if that's, ex if that, if all of a sudden you feel like, no, this is a topic that I really want to tackle, reach out to me, reach out to us because the joy of this work is customizing it. So it is meaningful for people and communities. Mm -hmm. One size as we know, doesn't fit all. And so what is it that that what's exciting to you? Is it the, is it doing the work and wanting to get in? get into the shelters, get in and, and to do the face-to-face -face work? Is it the the policy work? You're really interested in thinking about 
How are we systemically addressing this? What are the bills and the uh, the things that are up right now to be voted on, and how can you be just calling your your representatives so that they're you know paying attention to some of these other things that you now know about? Um, is it you know more personal and and that you want us to come to you so that we can do some continuing education for your community? Um, yeah, think about which of those is getting excited. Like where where is it that you're feeling the passion and the energy, and then we want to meet you there. Mm, that's awesome. That's sounds like it would be a really good way for people to start engaging. And like you said, to figure out what it is that within them connects with, with what, um, it makes me think one last thing to talk about, um, as we've been examining housing justice and be learning as a BFJ and community, one of the things that's really struck us is the intersectionality of it all, how it, it connects with so many other things, whether it's mental illness or addiction or racism uh, all of these justice issues that we've been wrestling with for years and, you know, anyone who's concerned about the world recognizes, oh, climate change like this. And it's it almost seems like there's no justice issue that doesn't intersect with with housing. Um, and so is there is there something you've seen like regularly that you're like either that particularly surprised you or like, no, this is like the most insidious thing. And like maybe people aren't aware of it in terms of like the intersections. That yes, I mean I think the thing that is is most frightening is that it doesn't leave anybody out, right? There is no there's no way you can you can wall yourself out from it, um, because it it is that variable that touches so many other variables, right? You can be a very wealthy family, you can come from a very wealthy place, but you could be struggling with addiction or mental health or other issues that then leads to homelessness, right? Like there is this there's no, there's no way to avoid it. Um, and even if it's just being in community, right. Walking down the street, like this is something that you cannot avoid. And so that is also scary in, in, mm. and we talk about those a lot with kids, right. How, how do you feel like you can make a change and you can, you can do something without worrying about you becoming homeless. That's a really big fear when you're talking to kids about homelessness, right. Cause it mm. could happen to anybody. Um, and this, this understanding that nobody's immune to it, it can happen to anybody is makes it so that everybody should be invested, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody should be engaged on this conversation, having this top, you know, just, just being aware of what's happening and making sure that as much as possible, we're fighting for the justice that everybody can have access to, to a warm bed at night. Right. Even even just a warm bed. Right. We don't even have enough shelter beds. We don't have enough addiction uh, services and beds for people in the midst of addiction. Um, right. Just getting enough services is critical, let alone a sustainable place to call home. Right. Like a place that, you know, you have a key you can get in and it is your space in your bed, your bathroom, your kitchen. Right. Like that is such a critical, a critical need. Um, yeah, it's. It's a, it can be a daunting, overwhelming process because of what you just said. It, it intersects with so many different other variables. Um, it can feel very overwhelming. Yeah, I feel like I just ended us on like that down note. So I'm just going to reiterate all of the great work. Well, because I'm <laughs> look at this. I've been saying, uh, you know, it's overwhelming and you make it, you know, feel approachable. And then I'm like, but also there's this other way that it's overwhelming. And but again, 
you guys are doing such great work and you're partnering with organizations doing such great work. So it's not, it, I guess there's that balance. We want to like not pretending it's a, it's a small thing, but also not using that as a reason to not engage because it is something that we can get to the end of. But like you keep saying, it's a in community, like more people need to engage. We need collective action and we need individual action and family action and church action. So yeah, it's not like it's an unsolvable um, issue, but yeah, it is really, it, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, tonight on average, about 18,000 people will be experiencing homelessness in Massachusetts. So it's a big number for Massachusetts. We're a little state, um, but it's only 18,000 people in the sense of we can fix like that's, we're not saying there's a million people, right? Wait, there's 18,000 people who are experiencing homelessness, you know, a couple, uh, um, uh, apartment new complexes here, some some sustainable housing here, some more addiction specialist areas here, some some support out in Western Mass in in the Holyoke Springfield, right? Like there's there is work that can be done to dramatically change that number very quickly, right? Like this is remember the 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 number one variable for people experiencing homelessness is that they don't have access to long-term help. Like they don't have access to housing. Like, yes, yeah. there are co-variables and there are reasons why there are per- some populations that have higher rates of, of experiencing homelessness. Um, but it still goes back to the number one issue is lack of, like access to housing. Access to affordable housing is like th- that it, <laughs> the number one variable. Uh, for people who are at the moment experiencing homelessness. And there are amazing organizations and amazing people who are working diligently to make sure that every day that number goes smaller and smaller and smaller. And it has, it is. I mean, it is dropping, right? In Boston, it's dropped over the last three years, like by a thousand, right? Like it is coming down. Um, Good work is happening. We just got uh, Boston uh, and it gets a little confusing, but the HUD, which is a government organization that gives money, is working with our COC, which is our continuing of care in Boston, and just awarded another $16.5 million for people and organizations who are working on the front line of people who are experiencing homelessness. So good things are happening. There is an influx of, of money, but what needs to happen now is that it cannot just be up to government officials and nonprofits doing the work. It mm-hmm. needs to be a community response where everybody, every community is asking the hard questions. Where is the housing? Where are the supportive services? And how am I daily caring for people who call the streets and shelters home? What am I doing as a neighbor for my neighbor who is going to be sleeping outside tonight? Like, what's my response? And, and how am I doing that in the most compassionate and ethical way? How am I doing that? How are we doing that? And we can do that, right? If everybody was aware of the issues and what, and if everybody committed to one or two things to supporting the organizations doing the work and the people experiencing homelessness, we would make a significant change in our communities. Well, that is a much better place to end us. I appreciate that hope that you're offering because yeah, you're presenting it like this is something that we can do. We need the will to do it, the knowledge to be effective participants in it. But I also really love the way you situate it. 
and you've used the language throughout, but like that, how can I love my neighbor? How can I support the thriving of my neighbor? And if we're asking ourselves those questions, asking our communities, those questions, our churches and our families, then yeah, building, building action and moving towards that goal. So that is awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda, for taking the time to talk to us and for the work that you do. We'll share the resources that you've talked about. Um, and hopefully we'll be there at winter walk again next year as the Boston faith and justice community. And, um, yeah, so check out winterwalk.org and we'll keep, um, keep moving forward. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you.